<clears throat> Good morning and happy Sabbath, church family. Uh, I, just, I just got this suit the other day, and there's some threads in the back that hadn't been cut yet, so I'm very excited. My church family helped me out with that, and I'm very glad to be here. It's a beautiful December, and I'd like to open with prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, I just pray that in this moment and in this place that you will fill us with your spirit, that you will be with us, and that in this moment right now, dear Lord, take me, let my words not be my own, but yours, and that I can present this message. We love you, dear Jesus, in your holy name, amen. amen. So I'd like to start off with a story. Who doesn't like a good story? The month, of, the month of September was a very interesting one for me. You see, around the beginning of the school year, I had been struggling personally, and then I was asked to be president of my school's Bible club, which is not a Christian school, by the way, so I was under a lot of pressure. But then one night, I'm thinking to myself, the brain juices are sloshing in my head, my head's a-pounding, and then an idea hits me. Whenever I do things my way, everything just turns out wrong, and I'm worse off than where I started. But whenever I've done things God's way, then things have worked in my favor. So I came to have a goal. For the remainder of the month of September, I was going to pray to God for every and I mean every decision. I was so serious about this, in fact, that I had it written down on a piece of paper and taped it to my bathroom mirror just so I wouldn't forget. Now let me tell you, life was fantastic in September. I'm not kidding. I have been really struggling about the end of the last school year, some days finding it hard to tr find true happiness inside. But every morning when I woke up, had, in my, had my devotions and prayer, I felt exuberant, like my day, before it even started, was filled with purpose and meaning. I remember throughout that whole month specifically, I've been trying to witness to a friend of mine who is a devout atheist. Now, he's very respectful about my beliefs, and he asked me a lot of good questions that really get me to think. I'm st and I really thought I was making progress with him, and he is still someone I'm trying to work with. Yep, September was great, and nothing really stood in my way. That is until October rolled around. Now that school had been in full swing, I was pretty loaded with responsibilities between having two college classes and an internship I was pretty swamped. Now, I'm enrolled in a program at my school that allows me to pursue my associate's degree whilst in high school called Running Start. At the time, I was taking a physics class that was for a science credit. It was crucial that I took this class because it's in tandem and tied with a secondary physics class that I would be taking the next trimester. Well, I was in need of signing up for college credit for that class on October the 5th by 11.59 p.m. However, on that day, I was at Sunnyside at a church singing for my grandfather's sermon series. So, by the time I got home around 9, I was pretty exhausted and headed to bed, blissfully unaware of the doom that was impending. The next week, I was talking with a couple of friends about the college class and signing up for college credit when they informed me that the deadline had closed. Not good. So, I ended up scheduling a meeting with my school counselor to talk about what I could do, but it wasn't until the Monday of the following week. I was so impatient that I instead emailed her about what I could do and, what, and asked what would happen if I missed out on receiving college credit for that class. She regretfully informed me that without that science credit, I would not be able to graduate with my associate's degree. I was frankly crushed. It seemed as if all my hard work that I'd been doing throughout high school had been for nothing, and I had just lost. But in this moment of quiet desperation, I folded my hands together, and with a sorrowful heart, I prayed to God and asked what I should do with this news and how I could move forward. And in my heart, I felt this overwhelming peace that everything was going to work out. Now, I had no idea, of course, but God has plans that neither you nor me can see. 
So the Friday of that week, Friday of that week, I'm in the middle of taking a physics a test in the class I wasn't able to receive college credit for when I see a friend of mine walking up to the teacher with a paper in her hand. And I don't know what, but it had to be the Holy Spirit because I was impressed that that paper had something to do with the college credit for this class. So I figure out a reason to walk up to the teacher and ask her a question. And when I do, I see that the paper that my friend has given to the teacher reads late college registration form. And my heart jumped. Now, I'd never heard of that thing until that very moment, so I asked my teacher if I would be able to sign up for that form as well. And she responded with a, maybe. Not the most confident of answers, but I took it, and as I finished up my test, my teacher explained to me that I needed to have all the forms printed out, needed signatures from the principal, herself, and one of my parents, and that I needed this all in by today, as this was the last day to turn this form in. So, with that in mind, I zoomed out of the classroom to the cafeteria, as it was now my free period, and as I do, a friend of mine informs me that both the assistant principal and the principal were out of the building for the day and would not be coming back. That would be a problem, and as I was making my way down the stairs, I also realized that I had no idea what my parents were doing at the time. My dad was at work, and my mom was doing who knows what, so having even one of them come to buy to the school and give one measly signature was going to be a long shot. In fact, I had no idea how I was even going to print any of these documents, as the computers that are given to us by the school are not the best of quality, so I would have to search for every document on their website on very slow school Wi-Fi and somehow get this all done before the school day ended with only about an hour and a half of time left. But as I entered the cafeteria, there was a friendly face that helped me with almost all of these problems. You see, I have a friend of mine, he's pretty close to me, and he had heard of my dilemma of not being able to sign up for college credit for this class. So he had heard of my dilemma whilst in the physics class and before I made it to the cafeteria, he had all the documents open that I needed to fill out, open on his MacBook, ready for me to start filling out. The first one being a form that had doc, uh, questions that I needed to fill out. I immediately got to work on that, and as I did, I thought to call up my mother to see if she was available. My mom answered. She answered in a confused and bewildered tone as I asked her to come to my school to sign a paper to get me into college. I might have exaggerated, and I do regret that, as it was created a bit of confusion, but... In the end, she said she'd be able to make it to the school. That was my legal guardian down, now for the principal. Now, while I was working on answering the questions, my friend offered to run down to the office for me to check to see if the school counselor would be able to meet with me and, talk, and I could talk to her about my situation. Not two minutes later, he rushed back informing me that she was available. So, I ran down the halls with him, his MacBook in hand, me scrambling to answer the questions at the same time, and when we reached the office, I rocked into the counselor's classroom where I explained to her my situation about the principals being gone. She then proceeded to email both the principals for me, requesting that they could come back to the school and sign the papers for me. I thanked her profusely and went out to wait in the office for a response. As I was in there, my mother had pulled up to the front of the school, and she called me up asking me where I was. Whilst I was on the phone with her, her reprimanding me in my ear for my responsibility, I was filling out questions and trying to print one of the forms out, when lo and behold, who do I see walk into the office? None other than the assistant principal herself. I asked her in a relieved but slightly panicked tone to sign my paper. However, she could not uh, understand me in my desperate tone, so my friend that was with me cleared things up, and she agreed. Now, all I had to do was print the sheet, and we would be golden. Two of my problems solved, the assistant principal in the building and my mother at the school. I went out to go print the sheets, as the prints that, the prints that I were trying to print out were not the correct ones, and then my computer died. I was crushed. 
but once again, my friend pulled through. We both ran back to the cafeteria while he used his school computer to print out the forms, which he claimed never failed, and then proceeded to play the biggest role in this tale. As I finalized my answers, my brother sprinted back down the hall, printed both forms, ran to the office to have the assistant principal sign, up the stairs to the science teacher for her to sign, and down back to the front of my school to my mother to have her sign it in the parking lot, and I led him back in the cafeteria, everything completed, all the answers on the sheet answered. And he then proceeded to be a tech genius and used an app on his phone to create the two physical signed forms into digital documents and then put all the documents together in a nice tidy email that he sent with me with instructions on how to format the email and who to send it to. I had my brother dropped off by my mother who left to go run her errands and I went home that day elated that everything had worked out. As I was driving home, I had accidentally called my dad when calling for my mother, so he called me back. As we drove down the highway, my sister had answered, thank you, Katie, as talking while driving is not a good practice, and I proceeded to tell him the tale. He chastised me for being so late with this, but in the end, he did a huge favor for me, informing me that the college, cl uh, the college uh, office closed at 5 p.m., it being around 3.34 at the time. I got home, opened up my dinghy laptop, plugged it in, charged it up, tried to open my college email, and I had forgotten the password. So, I reset my password, and as I tried to sign in again, there was a security wall that needed to, me to be receive a code by downloading an app, my phone already being low on storage as it was, it already being 4 p.m. No matter, I got the app, called my father to approve the download, and proceeded to sign in. However, as I was trying to attach the documents to the email, I realized that my friend had left a few things blank on the forms, my father informing me that, that everything had to be filled out. So, I friendly panic FaceTime my friend who had helped me through all this, unaware of how to make these changes, when I saw that he was in a car. I asked him what he was doing, and he proceeded to explain to me that whilst I was in the school, my little brother had been asking for lollipops, which I was unable, unable to give at the time. So, my friend had offered to buy him lollipops, had just went to the store and bought them, and was about to ask for my address to drop them off. So, he proceeded to fix whatever was wrong with the documents, sent them back to me, and I gave him my address. Not five minutes later, he arrived, and I brought him into my room to help me. I called up the service desk. It now 4.25 p.m., almost at the finish line, where the man on the phone walked me through what to finish out filling on the forms, I'm using my friend's MacBook to edit the documents. When the man on the phone goes, oh, I believe I just spoke to your father. Yeah, I can take a look at your documents and tell you if everything looks good. <laughs> it was fantastic turn of events, and my friend proceeded to send me the documents, and I attached them, composed the email with terribly slow, incredibly annoying processing power, and the email sends at 4.40 p.m. I'm in shock. Something that shouldn't have worked out did. And as I was, I was elated, high-fived my friend, and thanked him the whole way to the driveway as we drove home. I ended up having to still go sing at the event at Sunnyside, and as I told my parents, my uncle and my aunt, as they were driving us the whole tale, my parents enlightened me on a couple of things. You see, when I had called my mother, she had just pulled up to Costco, so that was the only reason why she was able to make it to my school to sign that paper for me. And my father told me that I had just so happened to call him after my mom had angrily explained the situation to him, so he already had the foresight to call the school in my behalf. None of this, none of this should have worked out. But throughout the entire time, God had been working things out. He had known from the beginning of the day what would happen, and he carefully orchestrated each little part. And when we arrived at the church, my dad had been CC'd in an email, the man in charge saying that all my forms looked good and everything was in order. 
And now I can happily say that I was accepted in the college class, and it's all thanks to the Lord. You know, those kinds of experiences have stuck with me. The kinds of stories that when things seem to be the bleakest, God puts his hand and works things out in ways you couldn't have imagined. Now, I've been raised in the church from the very moment I was born. I had worship with my family, I sang hymns, I went to Sabbath school, but I've seen a lot of my friends go. I mean, what is it, isn't it like 60% of young adults leave the church after 18? It's a staggering number, and I can only imagine the reasons for it. But I can proudly say there have been a couple moments in my life that have kept me coming back to church, and those moments have shaped and defined me as a person. You see, I was just a young boy when I came into my faith, around 10 or 11 years old. I had grown up learning about God's great mercy and the many miracles of the Bible. I had also heard of the many times that God had intervened in my own family's life, specifically my grandpa's. They inspired me, and one day I grew up the courage to ask my grandfather if it would be possible if I could study with him to get baptized. I remember on our first Bible study, I asked to have it out on our trampoline. As we sat down, I thought it only proper if my grandfather told me the tale of how he came to know God. You see, my grandfather did not have the most stable relationship with God growing up. It was very willy-nilly, very back and forth. He ended up meeting my grandmother in high school, and the two soon got married. Throughout that period of time, those first few months of marriage, they had a lot of struggles personally and spiritually. My grandmother had ended up going to an evangelistic series, and she had some Adventist background growing up, and so through that evangelistic series, she came to know God and accepted him into her life. My grandmother was so eager about searching for the truth that she called up the local Seventh-day Adventist church and asked if a pastor could come over to their house to have Bible studies with them. She wanted to share this message so much so that she invited my grandfather to join along. As they had these Bible studies, my grandfather regaled to me that he would find himself dozing off just after having prayer, and he would wake up finding out that he had missed the whole Bible study. Coincidence? I think not. He explained to me that it felt as if there's, that some other force was influencing this behavior, that as soon as they had the prayer, this tiredness would come from nowhere, and that Satan did not want him to hear this message. So... One day, the pastors had mysteriously stopped coming over. My grandparents later found out that it had been due to an accident, but my grandmother, that did not deter my grandmother, and she continued to search for the truth. Eventually, she had found some Adventist literature left by her grandfather, and one night after a day's work, my, grandpa my grandfather was lying on his back while my grandfather read the book out loud to him. The book was a study on the Sabbath, and as my grandmother went from verse to verse, she came closer and closer to the information that she was looking for until she stopped at Isaiah 66, 23. The verse read, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. After, they read, after she read that, she stopped reading. She was blown away at the realization. If there were going to be heavens on, in heaven, if there were going to be Sabbaths in heaven, rather, we should be celebrating it in church, and, and on the earth. Now, she had stopped talking entirely, so my grandfather looked over at her, and there before him was a sight to behold. There in front of him, my grandmother was still there, sitting on the bed, but her face was glowing with the bright, luminescent light emitting from her face. This has not been the first time something like this has happened. We will, turn with, will you turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 30. Now it was so, 
When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So, when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. A present-day miracle was occurring in my grandparents' home at the time, and my grandfather was so shaken, so surprised by all this, that all I could muster to ask was, Do you feel different? My grandmother responded with, I feel warm all over. My grandmother didn't even notice what was happening. So, my grandfather, having, issued, having issues coming to terms with these supernatural events, in fact, he was flat out terrified, having shaking all over, so scared, in fact, that he found himself on his knees praying against the bed, when all of a sudden, he was struck with a sort of pain, as if two hands were pushing against his front and back, squeezing the breath out of him. In a desperate last attempt, he writhed on the ground, asking for the Lord to help him in a desperate last attempt. Then immediately, the pressure eased a little, and he could breathe again. My grandfather then proceeded to rationalize the events as coincidence, denying the act of God. The pressure then immediately returned, this time worse than before. My grandfather was in so much pain that he cried out once more, now knowing better than to deny the acts of God, asking for God his forgiveness after being so careless. The hands then stopped pressing on him entirely, and my grandparents went to bed that night, shocked by the events that had unfolded. The next morning, my, dad, my grandfather woke up thinking that the whole thing had been a dream. He said to my grandmother, I had the strangest dream last night. Hands were pressing on me. Your face was, your face was still glowing the very next morning. The whole thing had been a test of faith, a push for my grandfather to make a choice. While he could definitely not deny the real power that had happened in that home that night, and from that day forward, he came to the Lord and gave his life to him. That grew my faith hearing that story. And when I was baptized, I really felt that things were going to change my life. I mean, what kind of things could possibly pop up in a person's journey after they have just newly devoted their life to Christ? I know it sounded pretty naive on my part, but I genuinely did not consider the fact that after I had made this decision, things were about to come in my life that I was never expecting. Hardships, trials, temptations. After all, Satan loves to come after new believers and give them specifically tailored temptations to dishearten them but not impossible ones to deal with. The verse 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. If there was one thing I was looking forward to, it was some kind of revitalization. I just wanted things to change in my life. And then things did. COVID. We all know it. We all hated it. Well, in my case, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I got to spend time with my family and eat all the food that I wanted for that matter. But everything changed that night on, changed the night of July 5th, 2020. My family had just had our Calderon family gathering birthday event and we had found out that my uncle and aunt had been exposed to COVID, therefore exposing us. We remained wary for the first couple of days, but then things took a turn for the worst. You see, I was in the, it was the middle of the night. I was awoken by the need to relieve myself in the restroom. I groggily got out of bed, stumbled into the bathroom, and after I'd flushed the toilet, I went to let the toilet seat down, when all of a sudden, it slipped out of my hand and slammed against the bottom of the toilet with a loud clang. I was so startled by this, in fact, that as I went to go wash my hands, a wave of questions and concerns started to overflow in my mind. Why did that slip out of my hands? Am I okay? Am I losing my motor skills? What if I have a terminal illness that starts to degrade my mental capacity? What if I have cancer? Now, in retrospect, I know it sounds all exaggerated, you dropped a toilet seat and it startled you waking you up. What's the big deal? I could ask the same question, but 
I don't think even I could give myself an answer. As I walked back into my bedroom and tried to go back to sleep, those same concerns and thoughts kept swirling in my mind. And the more I dwelled on them, the more it started to freak me out. My hands started to get sweaty. My feet started to feel cold and clammy. That has never happened before. My head started pounding, and I started having shortness of breath, hyperventilating like crazy. Since when does that happen? It got so bad that in three in the morning, I had to wake up my parents to ask them to come help me out. My mother had to come into my room and sleep with me, and it helped, at least for that night. Now, the very next morning, I thought that things had passed, like this was just a page in the storybook of my life, and we were on to the next chapter. However, those feelings of anxiousness, the clammy feet, the shortness of breath, that creeping thought lingered in the back of my head for the rest of the day. So much so, in fact, that when nighttime rolled around, I kept wondering over and over again about the possibility of it happening once more and what I would do and how I could stop it until, well, it happened again. That night, however, I had taken precautionary measures and then slept in my parents' room. <sighs> this time, but this became a cycle. Wake up in the morning, feel great, go along the day as if nothing was the matter, then revert to having these painstaking panic attacks at night. Now, some nights it was stronger, some nights it was weaker. I went days on end, finding it hopeless to even get out of bed for fear that something new would be wrong with me. And the stomach aches, oh, the stomach aches, how they would churn and clench. My grandmother would come over to try to give me some remedies to help out with the pain. Melatonin pills, flaxseed oil pills, teas galore, my personal favorite, black or licorice, I, I, I know. But these things helped combat the pain, at least for as long as my body would allow them to. I fell into a very dark place at the time. I even wondered if God had forsaken me. Hadn't I given my life to him? Why was he letting these things happen to me? I just wanted him, for him to instantly take whatever was wrong with me and throw them out of me forever. But there was always one remedy, one cure that without a doubt kept the pain at bay and would instantly make me feel better. That thing was prayer. Whenever I spe felt especially in panic and distress, I will call upon God, asking him to take this pain away, at least for a little while, praying with my hands clenched so hard my knuckles would turn white. And of course, the instantaneous peace would wash over me like a wave. A verse that, would kept, that kept me through this time was Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That promise. That peace, it's a gift that I hold on to even to this day. I ended up eventually seeing a doctor twice after my parents struggled and endured their own deep down personal turmoil. And when I did, I was eventually diagnosed with psychosomatic disorder, a disorder that basically meant that everything that I was feeling inside was a physical manifestation of my own psyche. Basically, it was all in my head. <laughs> but I, after that diagnosis and the countless prayers and blessings that God had showered upon me, I finally started feeling better, and that pain has never happened again since. But that joy from that prayer, that connection with God, I couldn't help but spread this type of news I, with my friends and my family. It wasn't just that stuff, but the peace that, helped, that peace helped me deal with a lot of insecurities and struggles I dealt with. Being in quarantine, though it's fun to have a bunch of time to myself, it was quite lonely. I would find myself going on bike rides that consisted of me having full-on in-depth conversations about who I was and how sad it was to be me sometimes. I craved some kind of connection, an outlet to express myself, but I ended up finding myself to be my own best friend. And I will admit, it was very therapeutic to take that time to learn about myself and who I was. And as I did, leaning on the Lord, I realized that he was my true best friend. 
but I also wanted to share these feelings about God, what God was doing in my life with others. I was in online school at the time, of course, it being my freshman year, and there was a Zoom class called Advisory. It was a class that specifically was a place where we were supposed to come and share about our feelings and such. And in this class, I would share these struggles with my class and classmates, and they listened, like really listened. It became one of the things that really helped me get through that tough time in my life. I still find myself to be very close with those people, and I thank them every day for what they did for me. Even attending that school was an act of God. Now, I had no idea where I was going for uh, high school, but I always dreamed of Upper Columbia Academy, hanging out with church friends and just having a grand time. But God had other plans. You see, there was a strange other school that was science, technology, math, and engineering-based, and STEM or something. Now, I'd never heard of it, but I was applied, but I doubted I was going to get in, as it was based on a lottery system, so it was totally random, and there was a slim chance that I would get in. But, as I should have learned from my grandfather's tale, there is no such thing as chance. And, a few weeks after I'd been placed in the lottery, I was informed that I had made it in. Now, I was neither exactly thrilled nor completely crushed that I'd gotten in, as I had realized that if, if this door had opened, God was calling for me to go to that school. But, if it had stayed closed, UC8 was. Well, it seemed that God's calling was loud and clear, and I'm glad I followed it. As without that school, I wouldn't have had that outlet to express my feelings for that class, to that class. So, I'm very thankful that God has led me there, and after attending all these four years, it has been truly a blessing. And when school finally started to open up again, I was eager to see how things would turn out with my classes, classmates, and how I would be able to connect with them in a physical space. So, on February 22nd of 2021, I was on a bus headed to what would appear to be a new chapter in my life. I was very wary in the beginning of high school, and after having spent so much time by myself, I'd forgotten the skill to socialize. But the joy of being with people again was enough for me to come out of my shell and go out there in the world. And you know what? It was fantastic. Seeing people who I'd only seen as a little tiny box on my screen was an entirely different experience. And I ended up finding an entirely new group of friends that hadn't been in any of my Zoom classes, but were rather those that rode my bus. Now, I'd never ridden a bus regularly to and from school growing up, as I either attended a school that my father worked at, or I attended one close enough that he could just drive me. But this kind of transport, but public transportation was not the only thing that was new, but the environment that I found myself in. Now, I must reiterate, I do not go to a Christian school. So, I ended up finding myself forced to be in an enclosed space with a bunch of deranged, inappropriate, and sometimes crude individuals who made me question everything. Yeah, teenage boys are fun. I actually really did enjoy my time on the bus those first few weeks. Sure, the kids were these different kind of creatures that I had never hung out with before, but I still remained my peppy, cheery self. Now, some would say that I was a hyperactive ball of energy, but I just found myself to be more inclined to be perceptive and point out the little things in the world. So naturally, having this kind of puppy dog energy, I point, and pointing out every little thing that happened outside the bus, naming every single vehicle that was passing by, I definitely couldn't imagine myself coming off as obnoxious or annoying. No, no, none of that. So I ended up getting yelled at, and though I should have taken it better than I did, the after effects were pretty severe. The situation went like this. I was out there, just being myself, energetic as always, when a friend of mine, well, a close acquaintance of mine really at the time, yelled out this. <sighs> Jaden, can you just calm down for a sec? Y you don't have to name every single thing that you see. Sometimes you're just too much. I was taken back. I didn't really know how to take that. 
I had to sit down in my seat as I had literally been standing, but I was still having trouble comprehending what had just happened. I never dealt with someone attacking me on such a personal level, at least not someone that was that close to me. And by the time I got home that day, my mind was clouded only by that phrase. Too much? What did that mean? How was I being too much? What did I do wrong? All I was doing was having some fun. I went outside of my trampoline just to analyze everything that had happened, and I ended up coming to a conclusion. I had been apparently been too rambunctious, so if I toned it back down, people would like me better. So I tried that for a while, and it seemed to work. Oh, making inappropriate jokes? Is that what's cool? Yeah, yeah, well, if it helps people like me more. Oh, is talking about my faith not popular? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can tone it down. I found myself becoming so obsessed with other people's opinions of me that every night, after finishing up whatever stressful school that had left me down in the dumps, I would go out on my trampoline, sit under the stars, and think about what things I had done that day to make people like me, what worked and what didn't. And I found that to be my anthem for the rest of high school, after freshman year, all the way into sophomore and junior year. How, by bettering myself, I could end up getting more people to like me, and that by changing myself, I would be happier. That acceptance from others, that constant seeking of validation, the people-pleasing, it got tiring, man. It got so tiring, in fact, that I would find myself questioning if this is what God really wanted me to do. And really, I ended up forgetting all about how God saw me, how he was the only one I should be pleasing, that if I didn't measure up in the eyes of man, that didn't matter because I was enough in his. I've forgotten this. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Psalms 139, 13 through 14. Yeah, it was tough. I really struggled to find my place in the world, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with my life. There was always something that I kept coming back to, something that partially influenced my decisions to be nice to everyone, to have as many people as I could be my friend, to get to know everyone personally. Now, though getting to know everyone personally is kind of an impossible task, I believe I did all this for more than just so that people would like me. Growing up in the church, the basics have been clear. From the moment I was born to the moment I stepped into preschool, the morals and ethics were taught to me. But moving forward, I never really thought of myself as a deep thinker or that I had some kind of divine enlightenment, just a kid doing kid things. And then something happened. And God has a habit of, God has a habit of making things happen. But this something happened like this. I'm around eight to nine years old. I'm in the shower where a lot of men's deepest thoughts tend to take place. And I sit down. I don't know why, but I distinctly remember having to been sitting, sitting down when it happened. And as I'm sitting down, I close my eyes. I get this feeling. And then this thought comes into my head. It's saying something. It's God. And he's saying this. Jaden, you are going to be a pastor. Straight and simple. Straight to the point. I almost protest. Um, God, I'm eight. I'm going to be a pastor? Me? But there is no response because there's no room for discussion. For you see, a seed, a seed was planted that day. And from that seed, things started to grow. And a little sapling lingered and slowly and grew in my head from that moment on. <laughs> in fact, I was so excited that after that shower, I rushed out when I was finished and eagerly told my family about the news. And as baffled as they were, that eagerness meant something. Now, I've been in Pathfinders for quite some time, for around four years. It's been a warm, welcoming community for kids to experience a closer relationship with Jesus. 
And I personally had seen that. I mean, for me, since I'd grown up in the church, I didn't really feel like I needed my relationship with Jesus to be strengthened or that it even needed to start because it already existed. I had honestly thought at that point that my relationship with God was as far as it would go, and that was final. Between the rigorousness of high school and how I wanted to be like my peers, liked by my peers, my priorities seemed to be set straight. But it happened in September of last year. It was the annual Pathfinder meeting of the year, the first one that had Pathfinders from all around the conference meeting up. There, is, there were these nightly meetings that, I'm going to be honest, I didn't always pay attention to, but there was one night where a pastor was speaking, and he was talking about his own uh, testimony and how God had led him to pastoralship. I was riveted, almost as if something deep inside of me was calling. Then, at the end of his talk, he took a pause. He then asked, if anyone has been feeling the call of God to pastoralship, please come up now. I was shocked, stunned, as almost as if the Lord himself was calling, calling to that little boy so long ago who had that seed planted in his heart years back, never really sure what to do with it, its sampling, saplings branches tickling at the back of my brain. My kids started moving forward, taking the stage while I sat frozen, my mind racing, the self-consciousness starting to swell deep inside. Was this what I wanted? Would people think differently about me? Am I really about to commit myself to this? But then a feeling started to well up in me, started to pulsate throughout my mind and in my body. A peace, that peace. And though I hadn't exactly prayed, that same feeling took hold. It was the Holy Spirit telling me that I was okay and that this was the right choice. So with all this adrenaline coursing through my body, but my mind clear and made up, I shot up from my seat and took my first steps towards working for the Lord. As I made my way up, I saw a familiar face, none other than Pastor Stephen Farr himself. I gladly went to him, and he welcomed me with open arms, greeting me with a good old-fashioned brother. Um, and as we did, he prayed, and he prayed a prayer, praying over me, talking about how the wonderful plans that God had for me and what he wanted to do with my life. The verse that specifically has really given me hope this new year is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's kept me throughout this whole time whenever a new struggle has come up, whether it's been sickness, friendship struggles, or not being able to get into a college class. And you know, it's funny, really. The things that were holding me back from going up to the stage were so frivolous and trivial in the sight of God. What did I want? What will people think? Who am I? In the end, it didn't matter what I wanted but what God wanted. It didn't matter what people thought, but only what God thought. And who was I? Who was I? A child of God, a servant of God, willing and ready to take his message and to share it across the world, to be his feet and go where he may lead. That's what matters. And I think that's something I'm still working on, what I'm sure we're all working on. And here we are up to present day, it's been quite a journey these past few years. The struggles and things that I've, de I've dealt with in my past have only made me stronger. And I thank God every day for his everlasting grace and putting his hand on every step of my path. Now, that isn't to say that my life finally became perfect after I started following the path that God wanted for me, but it's definitely made it easier for me to face my problems with a new sense of vigor and determination. And I found that the reason why I've been trying to be so friendly with all my classmates, all my friends, that's what Jesus wanted for me. That's what God wanted me to do, to be like Jesus. So whether it's been friendship troubles, a tough political science class, or even a physics credit, I've known that from every moment, God was there keeping me at peace when I truly needed it, 
and when I thought I was going to lose my mind. And he was there to keep me from forgetting that he has a plan for me. I still worry. I still procrastinate. Sorry, Pastor Jason. And I give myself unnecessary stress. But those are menial things when it comes to the gargantuan path and power that the Lord has. I feel a true sense of purpose and meaning in my life since I've started taking this journey to pastoralship. This internship with Pastor Jason has been a truly valuable experience that I can never thank him enough for. I love the Lord and that he has kept me through this crazy journey I've been on so far. And I know that there is more to come. But I know that I will be able to face it with peace that passes understanding and that the plans he has for me has for me will prosper me and not forsake me. And I think that's worth more than any college class.